Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 7. Here's Pastor Ryan. Good morning. How's everyone today? Good? Blessed? All right. Well, I'm blessed as well, and uh, happy Memorial Day weekend uh, to all of you. We want to thank you servicemen and women, if there are any here. We, we salute you and applaud you. Oh, the love of our country, huh? What a, what a heavy week it's been. Uh, I was in uh, Philadelphia at a pastor's conference there when we heard the news about what happened in Texas and the poor little ones that were uh, murdered. And, uh, you know, it's just um, absolutely terrible, to say the least. I, I, I feel so terrible for the parents and the family uh, the friends of those that died, and um, I, I, you know, words can't. It's just wicked. It's evil, and uh, you know, um, we got to keep them in prayer. We know that evil uh, will not uh, be fully eradicated on this side of heaven until the Lord comes back. But He is going to come. Going to come back soon, and He's going to make all things right. <clears throat> Nothing is hidden from His eyes. He sees it all and so no one gets away with anything we know that and that brings us comfort um, but uh, let's pray for the families right now there lord in texas and so father we just love you lord and thank you that we can come before you when tragedy strikes lord when um, senseless acts of of evil uh, happen lord and we're just so sad for the family of these kids we're so sad for them but we know they're with you lord they're babies they're with you and we just pray that you would comfort the moms the dads the uncles the aunts the grandparents lord the friends lord bring great comfort to that town in in texas at elementary school do a mighty work of your spirit lord jesus you say that um we are to mourn with those who mourn so i pray that you would surround the families with um, godly uh, Christians who love your word, who can speak your truth into their lives and bring comfort to them. So bless them, we pray. Be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we say amen. All right. Um, like I mentioned, uh, I was blessed to be able to go to a Calvary Chapel Senior Pastors Conference in Philadelphia. Have you guys ever heard of Pastor Joe Foch from Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia? Everyone in here familiar with him? He's one of the um, original uh, Calvary guys. He's one of Chuck Smith's uh, sons in the faith. He's a veteran pastor of like 40 years. 
he's a, a, an amazing teacher. So if you go on Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, go on their website and, and listen to a study. He's one of the best teachers in our movement. I'm always just blown away at his teaching. But he had the senior pastors conference for the East Coast pastors. And sometimes when we have him here on the West Coast, some of the East Coast guys come and vice versa. But I always heard that it was a good conference. So uh, we went and um, we're thoroughly blessed. His church is as big as Pastor Chuck's church in Costa Mesa, that big. And it was filled from wall to wall with like-minded pastors seeking the Lord. Like the singing from the first note was incredible. God's spirit was moving powerfully and the messages were anointed. You can actually uh, watch the messages uh, at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Um, just look it up. But we had a wonderful time. I was thoroughly edified and the fellowship was sweet. The travel was nice. Darlene, I finally made it to New York City. And so it's greener than I thought and cleaner than I thought. Not that I expected it to be completely dirty. You know, I, my only reference is movies and stuff. So, but it's, it, was, it was a nice time. The people were nice and uh, just... Uh, so I was walking Times Square, I thought, well, as during the World Trade Center um, um, terrorist act, uh, as the people were watching those t television screens there, I, I, I just couldn't help but to think that when the rapture happens, there'll be a lot of people looking up at those televisions there on Times Square. Where did all these people go? And anyways, God is good. We're back and charged up. It's a, it was a really good time. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans chapter 7. That's Romans chapter 7. And give me an amen once you are there. And Father, again, we come before you and we just ask your blessing upon your word as we study it. Lord, we can do nothing without you. I can't teach it and, and we can't learn from it unless you help us, Lord. So Holy Spirit, lead us into your truths. Open up our hearts, Lord. Remove pride and arrogance and selfishness from us, Lord. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to receive your word and grow. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. All right, so as we know in chapter 6, Paul was teaching us that uh, we are no longer slaves to sin. All right, we are no longer slaves to sin. Before we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we lived for the lust of our flesh Whatever we felt was right in our own eyes, that is what we did. We lived for ourselves. There was nothing that uh, we could do to free ourselves from the power of sin. But when Christ died on the cross, he died for sin once and for all. And so the beauty of Christianity is that Christ came to die for our sins, but also to die for the power that sin has over mankind that is the most one of the most amazing things that Christ gives us that sin no longer has to dominate us anymore that we no longer have to be the people that we used to be and 
For those, of love, for those of us who love Christ, that should mean everything to us. Because before I came to Christ, I, I, I didn't believe that I could change my life. I didn't believe that I can be somebody different. I heard the gospel, and I love the idea of being forgiven for my sins, but I, I, I didn't believe or I couldn't believe at the time that I can change, that I can be different. I lived a life that was so opposite of God. My way of thinking was distorted. Um, the sins that I was doing were demented and wicked. I had no instruction growing up. And, and, and once it clicked that if I put my faith in Christ, I can be completely different. I was a young, sinful guy sexually immoral, violent, angry. That's what I was. And then Christ says, I'm to live completely different. And as I began to seek the Lord, that was one of my requests of Him. If you can change me where I'm not going to be what I used to be, then I'm in. And He convinced my heart that you know, sin is not going to have dominion over me anymore. So when Jesus died, he didn't just die to take away the punishment of our sins. He took away its power to dominate you and I. So that, that's why people who say, oh, I'm just addicted to pornography, I'm just addicted to drugs and alcohol, or I'm just addicted to this relationship, or I'm just addicted to sexual immorality, that, that doesn't play in Christianity. Jesus died to destroy the power of sin in our lives. So now, for those who continue in their sins, after they come to know Christ, it isn't because Christianity is weak. It's because they're choosing to still not give up their sin. So don't call it a disease like everybody else. It is a disease. It's called sin. The disease of alcohol, the disease of, of pornography, of sexual immorality, of drugs. Let the liberals call that uh, a disease. It's sin. The Bible calls it sin. And he gives us the power over that. So that was chapter 6. It, is, it has been taken care of by the Lord on the cross. And not only does sin die there with him, but it goes with him in the tomb. So that when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, he, he is raised in victory and in newness of his resurrected life. And when he walks out of that tomb, he is trampling over sin in victory. He's walking right on it. It has no power over us unless we give it to him. We are free now from sin and are free to live holy lives. In fact, Paul declares to us that we now have our fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. That the moment we come to Christ, you know, you think about fruit and it taking time to produce. That's true. But when we are born again of the Spirit, He indwells in us and we are immediately justified, made righteous, and we have this fruit unto holiness right there and then. That is why the strangest thing happens when you give your life to the Lord. You no longer want to do the things that you used to do. 
You no longer want to steal, cheat, destroy, whatever we did. Everything's different now. And, and even our thoughts, like, or we want to get those right now. All of a sudden, well, how did everything change? It's a supernatural. God instills his spirit. He dwells in you, and you have this fruit of holiness. And the end of our days is that we have eternal life after it's all said and done. So you get fruit immediately, and then Paul's like, by the way, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin kills, it destroys, it deadens us, it separates us from Christ, it leads to death. That's why we don't want to dabble with sin anymore. We were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive. The Bible says stay away from it. Don't play with it. You know what I mean? Don't hang out at a liquor store. Don't, you know, ha you know get clean, clean your safe space. <laughs> clean it. Have no junk around you that will cause you to fall. Because a little leaven will... Leaven the whole lump. It'll cause leprosy. It'll kill you. It'll come back to bite you. But the, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 1 of chapter 7. Or do you not know, brethren? For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. And so here Paul is speaking to those who know the law. I didn't know the law growing up. I wasn't raised in a church. I don't come from a religious family at all. I came from a messed up family in a broken home. I didn't know the Ten Commandments. But Paul is saying to those who do know the Ten Commandments, for those who know of, of the Ten Commandments and the other laws, he's speaking to them that, that, they, that the law has dominion over those who know the law. Why, if someone is aware of the Ten Commandments or aware of God's law, why would the law have dominion over them? The law dominates them. The law is good. It says, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not murder, uh, keep the Sabbath holy, thou shalt love the Lord God and Him only, thou shalt not, uh, you know, uh, have any, uh, make any uh, graven images of things. I mean, the law says, thou shalt not covet. So the law is good. It, it, it tells us what God thinks is good. However, those who know it and don't know Christ are dominated by it because the law was never meant to justify or make someone righteous. No one can keep that. And there are many in the world who think they can keep the law. But the truth is no one can. Because, you know, people can behave right. Like people have manners, right? You can, you can dress up a pig, right, and clean them up, but it's still a pig. And so Jesus was like, oh, it is written, thou shalt not commit adultery. So many could say, yeah, I, I, that's not me. It's never, I've, we've never done that. He goes, yeah, but I'll tell you that if you look at another woman with lust, you're guilty. You see, so the law is, is meant to, to check the heart, the inward man, the inward heart of the man and woman. And so it, by those standards, no one's good. Exactly. And so the law puts everyone in handcuffs, guilty. And it leads you either to a savior in Jesus Christ or to hell for being guilty of breaking the law. And so we come to Christ. 
and say, we can't, I've sinned, I broke all your laws. I don't even know them, but I know I broke them. <laughs> and he forgives, because he died on the cross for them, no matter what nasty, evil sin we've done in our past. It's taken care of. His blood cleanses us. And then as he rose on the third day, God then gives you a new life, resurrected by the power of his spirit. So now we have spiritual eyes for the first time and all of a sudden, man, we don't want to hit that joint. We don't want to part, we don't want to do the party life no more. We don't want to sleep around no more. We don't want to do these things. Why? Because his spirit is in us. He's changed us supernaturally. The natural man doesn't understand how we can change, but we change because it's supernatural. Because the God who made heaven and earth gives us that change. We still struggle, but the Spirit's so strong that we are different. We're not dominated by the law because we're not guilty, because the blood washes that out. The law doesn't hold me guilty. Jesus took care of that. He justified me. I, the, I can't try to make myself righteous by the law. I can just make myself righteous by faith in Christ. While there's many people in the world trying to make themselves righteous by keeping laws, rules, and regulations, Christianity is not about religion, rules, or regulation. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we love Christ, he writes his law in our hearts. And we just know not to do things anymore that we used to. And he gives us strength to do it. So, But those who know the law and have not accepted Christ, there's no hope for them but Christ. So they're dominated by the law. The law is a schoolmaster, it's a, it's a taskmaster, it, it condemns. And that's why we preach Christ. Because in him, he makes you right. When we could not make ourselves right. We cannot make ourselves right. Only Jesus' blood makes us right. Verse 2, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no Adulteress, though she has married another. Right? And so here Paul is just saying, like, in a marriage, you know, it's till death do us part. And then if, 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 a, if a spouse passes away, the living spouse is able to marry another. They're free from that uh, previous vow. And he goes in verse 4 and he continues, therefore, here's the, that was the example. And he goes, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So when we put our faith in Christ, we are telling God that we are done and complete living for ourselves we are done we tap out we cry uncle in this case jesus and we say we are done we no longer are going we're no longer going to live for ourselves anymore 
And the terminology of, uh, that the Bible uses of dying to yourself and Jesus saying, take up your cross, deny yourself, die to yourself, lose your life for him. All of that says is that you're no longer going to live for yourself anymore. It's as if you died with Christ. That's why when we're baptized, we go underwater, it speaks of death. We died with Christ. We no longer live. The old man or woman has passed away. We're no longer going to live the way we used to live. And then when we come up out of the water, it speaks of his resurrection and our resurrected new life that we're going to live. So we as Christians believe that we no longer live, that we've been crucified with Christ. We have died with him. We're not around anymore. This is a new us. We are Christ, we are the, put your name to it, but you, you know, Ryan is a, I'm now a Christ, my life is hidden in Christ now. Ryan is no longer here, hopefully, just the new Ryan. Amen? Does that make sense? So in the same sense for you, we've died with Christ, we also believe that we are alive because he is alive, and that we can now um, bear fruit to God as Paul said. He said that we have died with Christ. We are free from the law. We are not under the law, but under grace. And we are now married to another, that is to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. And so why has he given us new life? So that we can bear fruit to God. I love how God doesn't leave us in the in the blank concerning things like we all need a purpose and God gives us our purpose it is to bear fruit to God and I love being a parent as a Christian because I'm able to explain to our children why they're even born you are alive because God desires that you bear fruit for him. You, we are alive to bear fruit to God. We are alive to worship God. We are alive to have a relationship with God. What, what else are we alive for? There's nothing more than to bear fruit for God. That's the reason why we're still alive. And I love to be able to give the kids that answer. Because everyone wants to know their purpose or why they're here. Why was I born? Why am I here? You're here to bear fruit to God. I'm a married man. I have kids. But my, the reason why I'm alive is to bear fruit to God. I'm a, I love my marriage. I love my family. But my first goal is to bear fruit to God. Through my life, through my family, through my ministry, through everything. That's why we're alive, to bear fruit to God. That is why Jesus died on the cross for you, so that you can bear fruit to God. That is why he rose on the third day, so that we can bear fruit for God. The question is, obviously now, are we bearing fruit? And what does bearing fruit even mean? The Bible talks a lot about fruit, doesn't it? It's like... You can make a fruit salad out of how much the Bible talks about fruit. It talks a lot about fruit. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to John 15. Let's see what the Lord says. John 15, and give me an amen once you're there. We'll begin in verse 4. In verse 4, 
Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so uh, Jesus uh, uh, says that he is the vine and we are the branches. And he says here in verse 4 that if we abide in him and he in us, we will bear much fruit. The word abide means to be intimate. So it talks about a relationship. Jesus is saying, have a close relationship with me. And I'll have a close relationship with you, and you will bear fruit. Abide in me, and I in you, and you shall uh, bear fruit. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's what Jesus says. Hey, the only way we can bear fruit is by being close to him. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.